I went and committed a number of crime shootings. Um, went and um, you know burnt the clubhouse and you know set fire car bomb. So I got done with bro. I had two pistols, bro. Out of twenty-two down the front. This guy just got put like forty holes into him, sitting right in front of me. You know, um, a guy across uh, the other pod necked himself, um, and then I witnessed someone um, get knocked. You know, and this is like my first month, docs. Back then, I wasn't on my editing game like I am now. Yeah, man. Yeah, so my skills have up leveled a bit since then, man. We're grinding. So, um, yeah, I thought I'd have him on again and um, share a story. I mean, Mark Taranoa here, honestly, man, he's a big, big part of um, why I'm even doing this. He was doing this before me. He's got a podcast as well, so go check that out. Um, but, yeah, this, this dude was a big part of it. He gave me my opportunity at first to speak my truth, and that led on to... Um, you know, Supplement Warfare podcast and, and um, you know, Manu and Lance over there, big love to them, man. So, um, yeah, man, I mean, I wouldn't be doing none of this. Well, you know, I found you through, you know, when you were featured on the Masi Rock and uh, Hooligan Hef video, you know, you made an appearance on there. So when I saw you through that and I, I saw your journey on YouTube with your videos that you were uploading in the back of your car, man, you know what I mean, during your lunch breaks and that, um, that's what that's what got set it all in motion for me, man. So big love for the brother here. Um, but yeah, man, so where are you originally from, brother? Where'd you grow up? So I grew up uh, East Auckland, GI boy, Glen Innes. Yeah, so Glen Innes was like a low socioeconomic uh, sort of area. A lot of uh, Islanders and, and Māori. Um, most of our parents, you know, either worked um, in, in factories or, or manual labour sort of jobs. Um, my parents immigrated from Tonga um, uh, to, to, to give us, uh, you know, in search for a better life. There's eight of us. Um, but growing up in East Auckland, bro, it was bro, there wasn't much to do, eh? But um, it was too, we didn't have much, we didn't need much. Um, most of the boys in the area are getting up to no good. So these are the sort of role models that we sort of had. Grew up in a house full of um, there's eight of us, so four boys, four girls. So you know, crazy sort of household dynamics. Mum and dad were doing their best, working two jobs back to back just to provide. Um, and all we seen around us was people on, you know, drugs and uh, uh, abusing alcohol and getting caught up into um, that sort of street life. Um, but that that's that's sort of that was sort of my experience of my upbringing, and it was no surprise that you know out of I always say this in all my talks that out of seven of my childhood mates, you know, five of us um, ended up in the system, you know, from you know shootings, robberies, uh, assault, all the way up to murder, and. You know, brother of mine, uh, the local, uh, home soon. He's serving. This is his 16th year. He's um doing his last sort of courses, and he's um he'll hopefully be home soon. Um, so 
I'm hoping that he jumps on uh, the sort of same sort of path I'm on with uh, Road to Redemption. But that was our sort of upbringing, eh, Dave? It was there wasn't much to do, um, so we just looked at our role models that we had at the time, and, and they were just older brothers, cousins, um, just getting caught, caught up up to no good, uh, really. Um, but I wouldn't change it for the world, eh? Wouldn't change it for the world. So, um, what, what what was sort of your um childhood and going on into your teenage years? Like, I know that sports was a big big part of of your life, and then how was that mixing with you know the street life and and things like that out in GI? Yeah, so mum mum did her best with um, intervening, and, and she's seen the sort of uh, my talent, which was playing rugby union, played Auckland, um, you know, through the development squad, 12, 13, 14th. Um, so she sent us off to boarding school, me and my brother, um, and we went there, and my sister Phyllis, we went there and we did five-day boarding over at Wesley College, and then, but would come back, would come back to the to the hood, you know, for for the weekends or Friday, Saturday, and then obviously get mixed up in in in, in sort of antisocial sort of behaviour um, with the boys, you know, age thirteen, you know, drinking and um, you know stealing cars and robbing people, and that was just normal to us, you know. That's that's pretty much all we knew. We didn't have much, so we thought. Um, or what I was taught from the older boys was, if you want something, you go out and you and you take it, you know, by whatever means necessary. Um, but going back to Wesley College and that was kind of, you know, getting that sort of discipline, uh, that sort of structure, um, but always coming back um, to the area, you're just always going to get caught up into um, some sort of uh, shifty behaviour. Um, so that was my sort of experience, bro. But mum intervened and she put us on a one-way ticket to over to uh, Sydney, Australia when I was what, 14, me and my brother. And then that sort of opened up, you know, my world, uh, doors to all different kinds of um, opportunities over there in Sydney, eh? Yep, yep. So that's definitely a massive move, man, going from GI to Sydney. I remember me, myself, you know, moving to uh, Melbourne. It was just like, whoa, you know what I mean? Because, yeah, I was getting into a little bit of trouble as well, you know what I mean? Um, didn't really have a choice in the matter. I had to go to Australia. Definitely didn't want to go, though, you know what I mean? But then ended up going there. Um, like, it was a big change for me, eh? Like, Hated it at first, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you fucking hated same, Australia same. at first. It flipped over though when I got to Port and then came back and I was like, sure, I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> I miss it. I miss it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So, how was your experiences, man, of, of going to, to GI from uh, going to Sydney, man? Just the whole uh, perspective, though, because when you're, when you're stuck in a little uh, place, little town like GI, man, it's so small and your perspective is so, uh, your perspective and your perception of the world is so like a little bubble, you know, but when you, you go to the land down under, Sydney, man, like that place is so huge and we're just spinning out. Um, believe it or not, I used to have long blonde hair. Uh, you, you can't uh, imagine that now, but when I was 14 and we got on that plane, got off that plane in Sydney, bro, it was just, it was a spin out. And like yourself, I hated it. Hey, Dave, hated it, bro. Like we knew no one, didn't have um, no connection to the area, had no friends. Um, so we just stayed with my auntie. My dad was out working out, um, out west. Um, but we just stayed uh, with our auntie over in Bronte, bro, uh, Bondi, right next to Bondi. So it was a spin out. We went down the beach, you know, golden sand. Was, wasn't used to seeing sand and the waves and then topless topless girls. And I always remember telling my brother, I said, man, this is not bad, eh? It's not bad at all. <laughs> um, but it wasn't until we started uh, connecting and networking, going to school, um, that we were like, oh, no, we love this place now, you know? And then every time we used to come back home, back to GI, we're like, Homesick. We wanted to get back on the plane after a week, you know. 
so you obviously got into league over there. Um, so how was how how did the whole sporting thing go for you over there? Yeah, we're we're good, bro. Uh, thriving and and we didn't want to play union um, because most of our friends were playing league, and obviously Sydney being a league dominant um, state. Um, city. Um, my brother went over to South Sydney Rebels. I stayed with the Junior Roosters and, and worked my way up through uh, the, the the system, the development system. Played what fourteens all the way to twenties, to twenties. Um, and my brother went all the way from same sort of thing, but he debuted for the South Sydney Rebels at age eighteen. Um, so now we're doing all right, man. But the pressure was on me to to crack it and 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 make NRL as well. You know, I'm sixteen and. I think, oh shit, now Tools has made it. My brother, I got to crack it too, you know? So I kind of self sabotaged myself. And um, as I always did uh, when I was younger, I'd always self sabotage myself either through drinking, drugs, girls. Um, and then that, that sort of had that ripple effect leading on to injuries. And then um, got to the age of 21 and I just uh, quit rugby league. I just had enough of the pressure. I didn't love the game. And um, that sort of transition into the next phase of my life when when I went on a sort of downward spiral. So so we did it move on to you, brother. So from um, you know from yeah from league and, and leaving league. Then what did you start doing with yourself? Yeah, so as soon as I stopped playing league, well, I went and opened two nightclubs, uh, nightclubs promotion company uh, with my business partner, and you know, being the age of what twenty two, I had uh, two nightclubs that were kind of managing. Um, started selling drugs, uh, joined the biker gang. Um, as you know, being in Sydney or being in Australia, there's bikies every single bloody street you street you drive down, eh? Um, so clicked up with a few uh, um, boys that I knew over there. Um, I think just to fill that sort of void of uh, belonging, you know, I grew up in a um, playing footy all my life or went to boarding school and that sort of structure, you know, that discipline and around a mateship and brotherhood. And then I moved that to uh, rugby league and you got that camaraderie, you know, same thing, brotherhood, belonging. And then, you know, I've got to fill that void somehow. So I found that in um, joining a biking gang and um, that sort of opened up doors to <laughs> um, all, all different uh, sort of dark areas um, in my life. And, you know, I got introduced to meth and, my my whole world just flipped upside down um, a thousand times. Uh, went on a quick downward spiral of selling drugs. I was on the drugs. I was managing two nightclubs. I was partying probably every other day. Can you speak on that at all, bro? Like what what ended up um, landing you in jail and sort of the, the the backstory to that at all? Yeah, just just got got on a. I wanted to leave the the bikey gang while I was worth, and obviously you can't just leave. Um, and say goodbye and had a sort of misunderstanding with a few of the members and I went and committed a number of crime shootings um, went and um, you know burnt the club house and you know set fire car bomb um, and a few other charges I'm not too proud of but you know it's part of my journey it's part of my story and um, I served the time for it went got put away for all up I got um, nine and a half years so I got five and a half years um, on the bottom but that's what I got charged with um, and sort of yeah served my time over there and all over in um, New South Wales prisons. Um, but that experience was, you know, was something else. Hey? Well, so how, how was it, man, entering the entering the prison system and um, especially on your, your sort of charges that you were involved in as well? Like, so how was it, man, going into the prison system? 
Oh, bro, oh, I, I had to go in at the wrong time, mate. especially in Sydney. Sydney was popping off. Bro. Sydney was dying off of, of shootings, left, right and centre. Um, so I was, I, was, I was one of the first ones to get sentenced when bro, there was like 100 uh, drive-by shootings. I got done, bro, I had two pistols, bro, I had a 22 down the front, 38 down the back. Remember, I'm so paranoid, fearing for my life. Um, I had like magazines, bro, like 50 bullets on each side. Um, broad daylight, like I was just, oh, I was down, down to you know, kill or be killed. But this was my sort of mindset. Um, I was a massive bender, you know, just didn't want to go to sleep, still on the ice. Um, and that was my sort of, you know, mindset. You know, kill or be killed. You know, <laughs> by whatever means necessary, just to protect my family. Um, and then, yeah, I got done by Raptor. Um, and then that sort of going into jail at what age twenty two, bro. That experience was. Because I was coming down, eh, Dave? Coming down off, off the meth, and you get put into Darcy and um, and, and Saltwater uh, Correctional Centre. Uh, that's where you go and sort of get your intake and find out your sort of associations. And bro, I was in Darcy one, and that place is just, bro, it's, it's it's like a circus in there, you know, full of animals. Like it's like dry cell, uh, clear sort of uh, perspex uh, doors and windows, perspex at the back, just holes. Two concrete beds and and and, and your toilet. I, I was honestly, Dave. I was thinking, bro, how am I going to do ten years of this? Because every day just felt like a month. Like I'm coming down of ice. I'm just stressing. I'm. I have to start like, you know, abusing the the, the guards. All all because I wanted to just talk to my family. You know, because um, I haven't heard from them in like bro, days. So I started flooding my cell, lit my cell on fire, and then. Um, the the squad came and got me and, and chucked me into a uh, cell and left the lights on eh, for like I think it was like forty eight hours, bro. Left me naked in there, no toilet paper, no food. Like, bro, I seriously thought I was in a movie. Um, is that movie Hurricane? Have you seen Hurricane? Yeah, bro, that's the movie that I just kept replaying in my head. So I'm there in this in the cell, bro, like butt naked, just training, eh? Because that's all I could remember. Like, I'm fried, coming down. I'm just doing push-ups. I'm doing burpees just to stay warm, but just to show them that I'm not breaking. But inside, bro, I was so broken, eh? And I was lucky that a, a, a mouldy um, screw came past me. But, hey, what's going on without, a, without no, 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 you know, no food, no blanket, no mattress? And I was like, bro, I, I was lit on fire. I was like, what? what's going on? I said, like, bro, I'm coming down off the ice, you know, I my first time in jail all I want to do is speak to my parents bro and he's like nah sweet I got it so he got it sorted and, and that's when I started come, uh, you know, calming down and um, it wasn't until I got to the mainstream I was shooting myself you know heaps of the boys were saying as soon as you leave um, Darcy the real jail begins and it's a lot easier than um, being in Darcy because in Darcy you're just like in, you're in Segura but 23 hour lockdown you're only allowed out for 15 minutes phone call an hour if, the, if you're lucky um, but as soon as I got to Park Lee and, and you know, ran into my uncle and sallied up with him and ran into a few cousins in the same yard and a few boys from the area, I, I was pretty sweet, you know. Um, but that experience in itself, like in the first, bro, I think it was the first month, you know, I witnessed like this guy just got put like 40 holes into him, sitting right in front of me, you know. Um, a guy across uh, the other pod nicked himself um, and then I witnessed someone um get knocked you know and this is like my first month docs wow. bro, bro, i'm thinking man i'm like i'm i'm in it here you know and uh, like i like i told you the last time is you have to become um like 
insane to, to maintain your, your sanity in there. Because if you don't level up to the environment, you're in there with some violent, violent people, you know, like murderers, uh, violent, violent people. Um, if you don't become this sort of person that I didn't want, want to be, but I had to become that person just to um, basically protect myself. The sort of lessons I took from um, that time in jail was just to be grateful, you know, man, just even just having like a pillow, linen, a mattress, a doona, food in your stomach, you know, a TV, all these things that we take for granted, speaking to my family, speaking to your family, like little things like that. that that's the sort of lessons or a lot of lessons and, and realizations that I took from um, that experience in, in prison. Because it's it's a it's a funny place, eh? Like you're in there with some, um, and I, I've met some pretty pretty um, good brothers in there that I I, I could call friends, um, lifetime friends, you know. Um, but just if you get into the sort of politics, if we just say that word around, around jail and you know jail culture and. It's just, yeah, it's, I, I really do feel sorry for a lot of our brothers because I do believe um, they're just, there's a lot of men in there that just haven't healed from their childhood trauma, if you know what I mean, dogs. Like, there's a lot of broken brothers and sisters inside the system that just haven't really um, unpacked, unpacked sort of what happened to them or what they've seen or um the area that they grew up in or how their parents were towards them that that sort of trauma that's sort of been shoved to the side and it's been capped with you know drugs and, and violence and all we could go on and on but um that was my experience of sort of prison and um yeah i found myself in just before i got out bro I went into a drug-induced psychosis where um caused by uh meth you know because while i was in there i was just partying bro like all you do is just train train all week organize the drop get the drop sell the drop smoke the drop and that was that was my week to week uh, inside prison so i went in on a drug-induced psychosis and my last year year and a half i went into one of the worst drug-induced psychosis that i've uh, from memory you know i started <laughs> Going to some very, you know, horrific and violent uh, things to other inmates in there, and and I just went into this mental dark place where, bro, I was visualizing visualizing about killing people, not just killing people, eating people. Hey, dogs, like this is the frame of mind that I went to. I was put into a uh, high dependency unit. It's like the spinners pod um, in Saltwater. Eight of the most mentally unstable inmates, and I found myself there, Shana, like in a cell. I'm heavily dosed on antipsychotics. They've got me on antipsychotics. For eight weeks, they were trying to figure out my meds, eh? Because nothing was working on me, docs. Like, I'm in my cell, 666, all over the walls, upside down crosses, all seeing eye. Like, I'm not even sleeping. I'm just fighting all these depressants, you know, they're all meant to make me go to bed. Because all they wanted to do was, all, all, all they said was, my brain just needed time to rest. Because, bro, it was just like going, bro, 100 miles an hour, you know, just. Um, but it was it was a blessing in disguise um, being put in that um, mental health unit. And once I got out, I um, you know it was a, it was a slow transition. But heaps of boys that seen me at the start of my leg and end man, they were just like two different, totally different people. Um, and while I was in that dark place, uh, you know, I got to a point where I wanted to take my own life. You know, the, the voices, bro. The vo Even when I still think about it now, I can still remember hearing like laying in my bed, I'm in a medical cell, two cameras, you know, got a flap, I'm with no one, no connection to no one. 
all I can hear is screws going up and down the corridors, you know, uh, doctors, psychs, whatever. And I'm just trying to reach out to, for help. I just want to talk to someone, you know, talk to my parents, talk to someone. And I remember I had, it was like, what, six months left on my leg, eh? Bro, the voice is in my head, just do it. Kill yourself, kill yourself. You're not good enough and you're not worthy. All my life growing up, um, I always had this cool belief that I was never good enough, you know, for whatever reason, um, a little bit of abandonment um, I experienced when I was young. So I always kind of doubted myself, self-sabotaged myself just to, you know, reaffirm that sort of core belief that I wasn't good enough. So then when these voices started coming back, bro, it was like the devil, you know, when I went into that psychosis, the devil invited me to come in, you know, come in, bro, like, come in. And as soon as he got me, man, he, that was it. I was just at this dark, dark sort of road where I knew there was a razor blade on top of my bunk and I so fighting it, eh? Fighting it. Looked at the picture of my mum and uh, dad and my sister, and that was the only thing I could harm myself with. And um, I got six months left left on my leg, bro. Just trying to hold on for dear life. Um, got the, the deportation in the back of my head. Um, you know, I'm just facing these sort of these demons. I got six, 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 and all kinds of shit all in my cell. And I just sat there and you know broke down. And I said, you know, God, if bro, if you're real, heal me, like heal me, please. And just like that. The divine age, just bro, voices stopped like that, gone, gone, brother, gone. And I was just like broke down, started crying, and got up and, and just started to believe. That's when I knew I was like, fuck, I'm gonna be sweet, I'm gonna be sweet here. Started rubbing off all the you know upside down crosses, and and, and from there my my Joel was just I knew I'd be all right. Um, so I was just get through my six months. I was still on medication, and then that lands me um, here in 2017. Um, the road to redemption begins, bro. Um, oh man, God yeah. is good, brother. God is good. Oh, like, God. um, bro, like just painting a picture of that as well, man. Like, oh man, I couldn't imagine that, bro. Like being in a drug induced psychosis, especially behind bars, man. Like, because, um, like I've been with people, you know what I mean, in prison who, you know, we're getting on the gear and things like that, and it has triggered drug induced psychosis in them, and it's just like. Bro, you know what I mean? And they're walking around the unit, bro. You're trying to watch out for them, bro. You know what I mean? Like like you said, they're doing violent shit, bro. You know what I mean? They think everyone's out to get them and that they're hearing voices as well. You know what I mean? And we're trying to like look after them, you know what I mean? Because what can the bro, prison I'll, do? You know what I mean? Like I've, I've been in the same shoes as you, bro, being that person looking after them. Yeah. A lot of a lot of our brothers are in there are in psychosis. Bro, you know? like, know, imagine man. a yard, imagine a yard full of just violent men and on the drugs, and then three or four of them going to the drug and juice psychosis. Oh, it's 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 not a good place. No, it isn't, man. It isn't. So, and it just commends you, man, to be able to come back from that, man. Because a lot of boys don't. You know what I mean? I like a lot, a lot of boys. I mean, fuck, bro. You know, looking at you now, bro, you couldn't even imagine none of that stuff, man. You know what I mean? Because you're just oh. doing so well, man. Like kicking goals, man, with mahi, and you know what I mean. Road to redemption, man. It's just. Ah, bro, what a what a, what a walk you've you've walked, man. You know what I mean. Um, Thank you, brother. So hey, yeah, so just, how, wait, we're just getting started. Bro. Yeah, just, that's the thing, bro. It's still warming up, up, mate. Warming up, mate. We're just stretching in the in the, in the changing room, <laughs> yeah, brother. Guys. So fun. so yeah, man. So how was it for you, man? Uh, coming back and and getting deported and and having to go through that. So you obviously didn't fight it, or did you want to fight it, or? <laughs> bro, my. My um sort of thinking around it, me and my partner, my girlfriend at the time is now my wife. There's was why would I go to a detention center 
and and find it in there where I could just get out, go be free, go start mahi, go start work, start rebuilding my life. Because I see a lot of our brothers, and I, I don't blame them, you know, a lot of our brothers are still in there now. Um, bro, it's a tough one. There's some of my That's mates that have been in there for, bro, for five years, man. It's, but I guess they're still holding on to that glimmer of hope. Man. And shout out to the brothers that are that yeah. are still in the detention centers now. I hope you guys are well and, yeah. and staying strong. And I hope your, your cases do do get do get overturned and you guys do get to spend time with your families and that because uh, it's, it's an ugly sort of situation but myself bro I decided me my partner nah, let's go man straight away um it's february 29th sorry march the 29th 2017 three o'clock in the morning that's my release date didn't sleep as you know straight away um circo turned up bro got me straight on the plane bro it was it was kind of a slow transition like going from sydney life to New Zealand life, man, it was like so slow, but hey, God, God is um, God is great, man, and He works, you know, in mysterious ways, as mm-hmm. as that cliche is, and it was just exactly what I needed. And if I backtrack a little bit to talk about my psychosis, that's exactly what I needed to go through um, to be in this position now, because He was reminding me, He was telling me, dude, you went in on a fucking drug and do psychosis. Do you want to still get out? And and He was kind of reminding me, like. You want to get out, you're going to do the same shit. You're either going to come back to prison or you're going to be dead. Those are the two options. So, like, I love you so much. You've got to go through this. And those, those are the epiphanies and realization um, that I was having while I was in the struggle and psychosis. I was break, breaking down so many times, you know, just, you know, being thankful um, for God. So, you know, if, if, I, if I came out and I went down the same sort of path, you know, um, it's like me sort of, I'm going to be in that same predicament. Prison prison or death but hey i didn't i didn't i wasn't sitting in prison and, and got out on 2017 thinking i was going to go go straight or thought i was ever going to be walking this road to redemption babe hell no i got out man i was still one foot here one foot there weighing up options is that going to be risky i was still looking at doing um you know some sort of uh, shifty behavior on the side um but as i as i soon found out you can't do both eh? it's either you got to be 100 percent in this in this sort of life and you can't do the other. That's that's just there's no two ways uh, about that. And um, I had to go all in in 2000 again 2018 19 early 19 when I uh, got married in 2000 sorry 2018 I got married and then I had my my daughter and I knew I had to go all in on um, uh, this this sort of path this sort of uh, you know and and as soon as I let go of all that um, sort of uh, thinking and mindset. Um, bro, it was just like purpose, eh? alignment. Everything just started happening. Eh? Everything just started happening for me. Started, you know, speaking my truth and sharing my story on uh, in the back of my um, car and smoker, speaking about the mental, my mental health challenges with drug addiction, you know, getting deported, what that's like, what I'm doing right now, that experience in jail. Because I, I know a lot of people can... Uh, benefit from that and soon I've seen the impact of that you know helping people you know people dming me saying you know I was just about to get you know take my life and you you shared your story about when you when you're in that dark place and, and that sort of helped me or through drug addiction or partners and partners that have someone that's going through that you know so just the the power of the internet eh? um that you could share a story and and someone can get inspired and empowered and and slowly start making that change but it's powerful man why wouldn't I I, I go down this path so I guess that's when the Road to Redemption was born and, and, and since then we've just been chipping away, bro. Just 
um, doing my best to help inspire and empower, um, you know, other humans out there to, you know, do whatever they, they, they want to do in this life and um, just empower them, bro. Yeah, for sure, man. And especially, you know, other deportees and things like that, because a lot of people don't realise, you know, it is a mental, it's it's huge getting deported. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's a huge weight. You know what I mean? Um, even when I first came back, man, I battled, um, even though I didn't want to do crime anymore, I didn't want to go to uh, prison anymore, anymore. You know what I mean? I was full self-medicating, man. You know what I mean? Drinking every day drugs you know what i mean um it was just it's, it's a huge weight to carry and then especially the feeling of starting from scratch man you know what i mean you're looking at other people and they've sort of got their lives sort of set up man and it's just like man i don't have anything you know what i mean don't get me wrong that made me grind harder but Let's go. yeah okay. it's just that whole mental weight that you got to carry isn't it 100 percent, but that's why i was dabbling in both because same same thing, just comparing myself to other people, you know, people that haven't been, have, haven't lost five and a half years of their life, haven't been deported, you know, so what, how much more um, um, beautiful and successful is the story going to be, brother, when like, bro, we've already, we're already uh, doing, killing it out here, um, you know, not to beat, beat our own drums, but bro, we're doing amazing things out here, and imagine, and, and 10 years from now, 20 years from now, we can look back, bro, we got fucking deported, <laughs> from Australia, but we just start from scratch, nothing, no handouts, no, um, you know, just handouts from, from other brothers looking out there and, and, and bro, we, bro, we made it, bro. We did it. Um, it's a, it's a beautiful, um, sort of, uh, way to sort of think about it, but they were wrong. It was tough. Eh? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like what, what, what were some of the initial, initial steps you took, bro? Like you talking like men's groups and, and things like that. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. So I started, my missus was doing, um, I was lucky when, when I got out, my missus had savings and her and her, um, my mother-in-law came over and they got a house, they got a car, they had, we had money. So I was pretty, I was pretty set. Um, but even, even though I had that, I was still, you know, dealing with the, the battles of comparing myself to other people, not having a job. So I was studying. So what I did was I went and studied part-time and did my PT, uh, um, certificate, uh, personal training certificate, and then I went and volunteered myself, uh, volunteered my time uh, with an initiative down here in Crossroads, Bros for Change, uh, with Jay Pookie Pookie, and 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 that that was amazing, brother. Doing, um, spending time with young, young uh, people, young rangatahi, and um, just giving my time there. But then also, yeah, putting myself in environments and, and sort of little uh, forums like Man's Up, uh, Man Up, Man Up group. I went and completed uh, 12 weeks of that and, and still connect with some of the boys. Um, so that just slowly started its transition. And uh, ever since then, went on a men's, uh, men's medicine uh, sort of walk uh, with the brothers and, and, you know, connecting with those like Matt Brown and, and his uh, movement with She's Not Your Rehab, just being around uh, other men and sharing, sharing this sort of journey. And, and as, as, it's, it's a powerful thing. I, I just thought of um, the last, Excuse not rehab, but I, I went into uh, last year and there was a guy that he was just fresh from being deported. Um, so I'm here sitting thinking like, man, I used to be that guy. You know, that was me uh, three, four years ago, but now I'm able to 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 give him some um, sort of um, advice and or suggestions on, on sort of what helped me, you know, and that's that's a powerful thing to do, man. Just, just help other brothers who have been in similar uh, you know, predicaments and help them, you know, start getting back on their feet, man. But it's tough. And I don't, 
I, I don't blame any of the boys, man, that, you know, the revolving door, a lot of my mates, you know, I could say a lot of them have, uh, have been in and out since being deported, you know, or still in the game. And it's tough once you've, you get here and you, you have no support, man. It's just easy to revert back to old ways and click up, click up for the gang and get up, get up to no good. But that life only leads us down two paths and, you know, Joel and, and, and death. Yeah, for sure, man. Like, um, and looking back now, man, it really took me that divine guidance and that divine strength to not join the gang, you know what mm. I mean? To not do um, all of those things, man. It took the took real willpower, you know what I mean, not to do that because it's man. just when you get deported, it's like that's the option, you know what I mean? If you ain't got money and stuff like that, like, well, this is, it's almost nothing else, man, you know what I mean? So I always tell people, you know, really, if you are coming back to New Zealand, really be prepared. You know what I mean? Be 100%. prepared to, to, to dig in, to dig deep, man. You know what I mean? To look for that inner strength because you're going to need it. You know what I mean? Um, sure. Don't get me wrong. I had a little bit of support here as well, but um, it, it, it still was tough. You know, so much love to all of the brothers that do come back here with nothing, mate, that um, come back here sitting in a lodge and, and have to go through all of that, you know, and um, and I'm still able to go to mahi you know what i mean go to mm. work and um especially with the wage differences man you know what i mean oh, you, you can feel right. that you know what i mean so big shout out to all of the brothers that are grinding mate that are going hard man because we're all grinding together man we're, we're all doing it together um and bro definitely recommend those men's groups you know what i mean any sort of you know man up you know um they're good they're they're they're, they're around um just any sort of men's groups a lot of church runs them man it's 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 a lifesaver as well you know what i mean just to be able to cool. sit around with a couple of boys man have a coffee um just have a chat you know it's just it, it works wonders you know like i'm um, after we connected and and that you know that was one of the first things i started doing was going to man up uh having a yarn with the boys um being able to share um and be listened to so, man, what's the plans, man? What's going on for you at the moment, man? I know you've been doing a lot, man, in your space, especially with Mahi, bro. You know, so what have you been doing for Mahi and, and with Road to Redemption and, and all those things? Yeah, so 2018, 2019, I started, I got my first full-time role, eh? First time I've got full contract employment uh, in my life. Um, and that was, what, age 28. And I'm into my fourth year of my carpentry apprenticeship with uh, self-based labour, self-based construction, and... Uh, they're helping me with uh, building uh, Roads of Redemption into a charitable trust. Um, so we're just going through the uh, process now, just waiting for it to be um, registered. <clears throat> Should be in the next couple of weeks. Been waiting. <laughs> Feels like I've been waiting for ages. Um, um, but I know it's a process. And um, with Roads of Redemption, I've I've started, as I said, when I started sharing my truth, um, you know, I, I, I started getting invited out to uh, mental health and well-being um, um, days of organizations and going out and speaking in front of schools and um, going out and speaking in a youth justice center out here and um, lending my time to limited service volunteer LSV uh, program where I go and, and do uh, the intakes every, every eight weeks, I think it is. Um, and just, man, but the heart, eh, the soul gets so full, man, it, you know, going in and, and sharing my journey and just telling them about, you know, what was spoken about, about my journey. But my mental health battles, you know, I know what it's like being 22, you know, unemployed, um, being on drugs, you know, joining gangs and 
I'll just share my experience and for myself it's all about just planting seeds you know we're not, not going to change everyone but we can plant little seeds in their, in their brains that you know they too can um you know sort of make positive um, changes in their life um road to redemption as soon as we set up that trust as soon as it gets registered um working at the moment working um and developing an app with my company self-based construction uh, the app is uh, your growth redemption app, which is going to help our brothers and, and sisters and our, our youth reintegrate back into the community. A little app where they can navigate, find social services, find accommodation, um, financial support. Um, it's just going to be a that's the sort of uh, how we're sort of drafting um, this app. So, because I know what it's like, and you know what it's like when you get out. Hey, docs, even just trying to find like wins or support like that is like you're so frustrated just trying to you know, Google and stuff. So um, that's the thinking behind uh, the Bridge Redemption app. You can link up with mentors and, and stuff like that. Um, and then that's our sort of midterm goal. Um, short-term goal, still doing my talks uh, around the country through through the construction industry as construction industry is probably like one of the top two uh, sectors or industries with the highest rates of um, suicide, obviously being a lot of factors of uh, being a male-dominated um, sort of industry and uh, your big drinky culture and um, you know that stigma behind um, uh, being men and masculinity that you just shut up and get on with the job. Um, so I'm doing. Uh, got a number of talks lined up with uh, my company, and uh, so that that's sort of our short-term goal. But long-term goal is um, build uh, redemption houses. A build road to redemption houses where brothers can get accommodation when they get out of prison, obviously roll out a sort of program like a rent, uh, well, the earn minimum security so they can do the redemption program. Uh, so when they do get out, they have accommodation, um, they can find work, they can get upskilled, they can find work, um, get it educated and sort of just give them a different option. Man, my doko here, man, Mark Talano, man, big, again, big love and big respect for this guy, man, again. Um, this dude was pivotal, you know what I mean, and what I'm doing now and um, being able to build this platform and now all the other things that I've got planned as well, you know, for this. Um, it's just, it's it's much love, brother. You know what I mean? Much ah, respect. Likewise, bro. Yeah, Kili's no. mutual, Dave, man. I appreciate you. And, and man, I just love your, love the mahi you're doing. And just seeing the transformation, bro, from three years ago to, to now, man, like the whole mindset, though. You're a totally different person. Yeah. Um, and that's big ups to you, man. You're, you're, you've put in the time, you've put in the effort, you've made the changes. So, nah, man, it's all love and respect. Yeah, man. Much love, bro. We'll talk again soon, anyway. Appreciate you, Doc. Much love.